Welcome to TGen Talks. I'm Mark Moran. Immune cells, also known as white blood cells, help the body fight infection and disease. Now, scientists at Qigen are using immune cells in combination with chemotherapy drugs to tailor personalized treatments for cancer patients. Specifically, they're using a mathematical formula to predict who might respond best to this type of therapy. The progress has been so good that the results of a current study led by Qigen have been published in the prestigious Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Dr. Sunil Sharma, the Deputy Director of Clinical Services and Director of TGen Applied Cancer Research and Drug Discovery Division, was one of the study's senior authors, and he's here on TGen Talks today to explain this research, the drug therapy combination, and how cancer patients may benefit. Dr. Sharma, welcome. Thank you, Mark. Let's talk a little bit about immunotherapy. What is that? Immunotherapy is a way to harness the body's own immune system to um, fight different diseases. And in this case, we're specifically talking about cancer, but it could be done potentially to fight infections, uh, viruses, bacteria, etc. Let's talk about circulating immune cells and how those play a role in informing who might benefit most from this immunotherapy. We have a bit of a dilemma because in the last few years, it's become quite clear that there are ways to harness one's own immune system to fight diseases. Um, so the best example of that is um, some of the new medicines that have recently got approved, uh, and uh, uh, it's really come of age. Um, but there is still the puzzle of uh, how do we best select patients who might actually benefit from the medicines or particular treatments and uh, our study primarily was looking at, you know, signatures that we could develop uh, in peripheral blood that would potentially identify patients who would benefit from, in this case, a particular immune therapy given to patients with uh, stage 4 colon cancer. How have the results been so far? Patients who had a particular kind of an immune signature at baseline, meaning for whatever reason, the um, immune uh, milieu of of their body was already sort of revved up, if if I might use that term. Those were the patients who actually benefited most in this case um, from giving immune therapies. This study actually had was combining immune therapy with chemotherapy, but it didn't really matter um, regardless of which tumor type we gave the combination to or what kind of chemotherapy we used there was a particular common denominator here where a signature, what is called an interferon gene signature, seemed to correlate the best in circulating immune cells. Kind of almost, almost it felt like um, there were certain patients whose immune system had been revved up by the tumor maybe, and those are the patients where the immune therapy worked the best. Stage four colon cancer, and you, you're seeing significant results in that serious a stage of cancer. That seems very significant. Is that how this led to the publication? We are seeing interesting results uh, in colon cancer with immune therapy. Uh, the study itself was a combination of chemotherapy and immune therapy. It turns out that giving normal immune therapy that seems to work well in for instance, in lung cancer or melanoma or some of the other cancers, doesn't quite do the job uh, in colon cancer by itself. Ex uh, there are exceptions to this rule. 
There is a small subset of colon cancers that do actually respond very well to um, to, to immune therapy, but vast majority of the colon cancers don't respond to the normal immune therapy as we know it today. And this study was actually examining combining the immune therapy with, with chemotherapy, which may have some merit. But the most significant finding of the study is that even in that particular combination, we could pre-select out patients who might actually benefit from the immune therapy. Uh, and these are patients who are not expected necessarily to respond to immune therapy by itself. So our next steps in this in this situation is we would we could potentially use the signature to select pre-select patients before we give them the combination because obviously you only want to give treatments that work for for patients in which you know obviously they would work in. And exactly what TGen is known for tailoring the treatment to a very specific patient. Exactly. So this is in line with what we are really good at at TGen. What are the potential benefits long-term to patients? Obviously, living is a good thing. Are there any immediate benefits in this research? The paradigm that you can use signatures to predict immune treatments, whether they would work or not, in blood is new. We all want to have selection so that we can match the patients to their best treatments, right? So, because I think part of the problem is giving treatments like chemotherapy and immune therapies are expensive, they have side effects, we certainly don't want to give them to patients who may not respond to them. So the most significant part of this study really is to maybe gives us some hope of matching immune therapy in colon cancer and other gastrointestinal cancers to the patients who might benefit the most from them. How do you check the immune cells, a biopsy, a blood test? We actually were just drawing um, blood samples. The reason it's significant is because we could actually take the uh, patient's blood cells and we could do sophisticated single cell experiments. We can separate them in single cells and look at them um, using sophisticated techniques and see what kind, what uh, compartment of the immune cells uh, and what genetic uh, signatures of those compartments are actually predictive of the response. So in this case, it was all done on a plainly a blood tube. What are the next steps for validating this process? In this case, what we did was we had a study that, and we sort of analyzed the samples and then correlated it with patient's response to treatment, but the the next step is to really do it prospectively. What that means is that we would actually take our findings from this particular study and then use that to select patients and then treat them and see if we can actually um, sort of uh, validate, is the right word, our findings, meaning if, if you select the patients, we should have a really high benefit uh, rate in that, in that particular population. And if that pans out, then it could be even more significant because then we could theoretically choose these kinds of therapies in the future for, for everybody. You're looking for specific patients who would do well with this therapy, so how do you find them? In this particular uh, study, uh, patients who had been newly diagnosed with colon cancer had stage four disease, and other actually it had more than colon cancer patients, but most of the patients had colon cancer, uh, but they were given a combination of chemotherapy with the immune therapy. So in, in the next validation phase, what we would like to do is uh, 
take a prospective trial in which we would basically measure their genetic um, immune signature of everybody who, who who's going to get the treatment and then just give the immune therapy and chemotherapy only to patients who had the activated immune response signature, if you might. So we wouldn't necessarily give the immune therapy to patients who, in our view, would may not have a chance of responding. And then, so we would be able to select out those patients. Our current estimate is that our around six out of 10 colon cancer patients who are newly diagnosed would have this signature. So we may be able to actually give this to a significant number, but not all of the immune, not all of the patients with colon cancer will be newly diagnosed with stage four disease. But usually the ones with a revved up immune system, as you put it already. Yes, we would only select patients who had this so-called activated immune system, and then they would have hopefully a much higher chance of benefiting from immune therapy. Do you see applications beyond immunotherapy for this type of assessment? This particular assessment was tailored towards immunotherapy, uh, but I think similar approaches have been used for other kinds of potential. For instance, you can biopsy patients and look for specific things on patients' biopsies to see if they would respond to a particular chemotherapy. Uh, and that kind of a thing has been done for a long time. The problem with that is that as technology has become more robust, one is finding out that looking at just one marker in blood or one particular gene in a tumor really underestimates the complexity of, of, the, of the cancer itself. So, for instance, in this particular scenario, we were looking at a globally at at all of the you know cellular compartments in, within the immune cells in the blood. But not only that, we're also looking at a whole tra- what we call the transcriptome, meaning all of the RNA, for instance, that is present in in the blood, for instance, in the immune cells. So. These are the kinds of technologies that are coming into vogue in the future where you basically look at things globally and then you use sophisticated what we call bioinformatic techniques to sort of make sense of them. So this is, would be something akin to you know, looking at global data sets, large set of data, and then making sense out of them. Because although they're more complex than looking at a single marker, we are essentially matching cancer's complexity with the complexity of the solution. You're listening to TGen Talks. I'm Mark Moran. Today's guest is Dr. Sunil Sharma, the Deputy Director of Clinical Services and Director of TGen's Applied Cancer Research and Drug Discovery Division, one of the lead authors on a study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Staying in the realm of cancer treatment, you're also involved in work that uses something called organoids to provide a new level of accuracy in prescribing anti-cancer treatments. What about that? Yeah, we're very excited about that. This is something that we've been working on the last three years here at at TGen. Um, The concept is that um, how do you recapitulate um, the tumors and how do you study them um, in a more robust way uh, and, and really use the technology to benefit patients? So we have, in collaboration with Honor Health Research Institute, where I also work, initiated a study in the last two years in which we are able to take biopsy tissue. So if patients are getting biopsy for a reason, any reason, we're able to take excess tissue and then use that to grow their tumors in, in our lab uh, in a very uh, defined way. So uh, just to give you an example from a 
a needle biopsy, we are able to take the whole tumor and we can basically grow them in what we call 96 to 384 well plates. So we're making sort of 96 to 384 replicas of the patient's tumor that is growing outside their body. And we combine that with the best genomics that is available in the world here at TGen. And using this complete system, which we call the Patriot Analysis, we're able to then uh, go way beyond uh, looking at just single gene changes that are, again, in the same theme like you, like we pointed out in the first study, we're able to uh, capture the complexity and then hopefully come up with solutions. So in the recent study that we presented as a poster at the American Association of Cancer Research. We, we presented our first set of results of this Patriot analysis. We were able to take about 35 or 40 patients, and we were able to grow the tumors uh, in almost all of those patients. And we were able to combine that with the genetic analysis here done at TGen, where we look at the all the 20,000 genes that are actually uh, active in a cell and uh, able to then synthesize them and define what particular therapies might work for the patient. But then uh, the second step is once we decide using the genetic, sophisticated genetic analysis what might work, um, we were able to actually treat the patient's tumor that was growing outside their body. And what we found was actually very interesting that only based on our just our prediction using genetic tools, if we predicted four treatments or combinations might work, when we actually treated the patient's tumor outside their body, only one out of four worked. Mm. So just tells you the complexity, but what it does is it, it helps us develop a system in which we are, are actually uh, conducting in sort of an experiment before the experiment, meaning we're taking the genetic tools, we're taking the patient's tumors, we're basically matching our best prediction with that with what's going on in the tumor and actually testing these drugs and combinations so we're very excited about that so we're sending we presented the first results of this at the ACR meeting but what we're doing currently is we are a we are sending it out for publication um, but b we're designing with honor health research institute a prospect and 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 hopefully with city of hope cancer institute a prospective trial in which we would actually now be able to under a clinical trial do this whole procedure and then then actually take the results we find uh, by treating the organoids and then give those kinds of combinations to the patient and see whether our prediction, the two levels of prediction actually works for the patient. You mentioned this is called PATRIOT. What does PATRIOT stand for? PATRIOT actually stands for Pathway-Based RNA and DNA Integration with Organoid Testing. So basically, what we do is we take the genomic RNA and DNA information and we, dis we using sophisticated informatic techniques, decide which, which pathways are actually driving the, the cancer. And then we have, we test different drugs that might affect those pathways either singly or in combination on the organoids that we have grown. So it's basically an acronym for, for the whole process. Through these drug therapies, you use a compound fragment library, correct? How does that work? And how did you create the library? 
the idea here is that we can actually use this technology for many different things. So one of the things we can use it, like I mentioned, is we can do a prospective trial and we can take the our, our best predictions, test them on the patient's organoids, and then whatever rises to the top, use that in the patient and hopefully help the patient. That's one use of it. What we've also done is when we do these biopsies from patients, we can actually separate out immune cells that are inside the tumor. Uh, so those, because basically it turns out that we have immune cells that are kind of in the tumor. And those immune cells, for whatever reason, obviously are not functioning as well as you want them to. Or you, you can actually, they are functioning and you just, they just need an extra kick if you might, to actually kill the cancer. So what we can do is we can take those immune cells and we've been able to do that as well, and then use different kinds of new treatments to rev those immune cells up, either in combination with treatments that would directly affect the cancer or by themselves. So there we have used different technologies. We have our, our laboratory actually works on developing new treatments for cancer. We've done that for a long time. And for that, we have used a fragment library, which is essentially a, a collection of small uh, drug-like substances that we can build into drugs. Or we have a fantastic project currently ongoing at TGen where we take those immune cells uh, like I talked about, that are present in the tumor and are not working as well. These are called TIL cells or tumor infiltrating lymphocytes. These are a type of immune cells that should be killing the tumor, but is obviously not doing the job. And we are using the same genetic techniques along with Dr. Alton, who is our collaborator here at TGen, and working with him to actually reteach these immune cells outside the body to recognize the same tumor. And that particular treatment is going to go into the clinic early next year here with the help of all the technologies we have at TGen at Honor Health. So through this combination, how does Patriot enhance the RNA analysis? The Patriot analysis uh, is really a very cool thing because unlike DNA analysis, which, uh, which has been perfected uh, at TGen um, to be able to analyze your, your DNA, the RNA, which is kind of the translation, the first level translation of the DNA message. In, in our cell, you know, the cell sort of has the DNA, which, which is sort of the master gene. Every All the genes are sort of part of the DNA. But then they make RNA, which is kind of the first level of what we call transcription. And then they make proteins, which are the machinery that drives the cell. So if you, you can look at the DNA and which has been perfected. But when you look at the RNA, which is one level down towards, you know, the actual machinery, uh, the, what, what we've done in the Patriot analysis is found, found actually a way to, to, to interpret that. So part of it is you can, the genetic technologies are really good now to be able to get the data. But interpreting the data is also a challenge because, because with DNA, we, we have become very good at, in the last 10 or 15 years, how to interpret the actual thing that we're looking at. With RNA, what we've done in this case is we were able to take the patient tumor RNA and then be able to compare it to 22 different normal tissues and other kinds of techniques to make sense of this RNA. And that's a, that's a pretty big job because because it, there's not a huge universal standard as to how to interpret this RNA. You touched on this earlier, but growing cancer tumors in the lab, 
Does this method help the current patient or inform therapies for future patients? Uh, it, at the moment, what it does is it basically gives us a way to have to develop this te technology. Like I said, we've, we're up to now 55 patients in a, in a year and a half that have we have organoids for. We're hoping that in the next phase of this, uh, this, uh, this ex I don't even want to call it an experiment, in the next phase of this trial, we're going to be able to help patients directly. Right now, the patients were just taking their extra tissue that they were getting out, out of a biopsy. But in the future, we'll be directly putting them on a clinical trial, doing this procedure where you would be taking their excess tissue, growing them as organoids, combining it with the, the um, RNA and DNA analysis, and then testing drugs on the organoids. And then if they work, then testing them on the patients. So this would seem to mesh well with the immunotherapy we talked about earlier. Yes, it does, because in this particular uh, experiment, we also predict what immune pathways might be driving the microenvironment. Remember, when we take a biopsy, we not only take the cancer cells, we also take the surrounding cells, which include the immune cells. So we're able to read if the what kind of immune pathways are actually either uh, underactive or overactive, and we can actually... In the organoid experiment, we have developed what we call immune organoids, where we can layer the patient's own immune cells on top of these cancer cells and study the interaction, and it's really cool. It's almost like three-dimensional, you know, video game, if you might, where basically you can actually, you can, over seven days, our microscopy can actually see how these immune cells are behaving when we add different treatments and therapies. So hopefully in the future, we can help some more patients where it's not clear what to do based on just a DNA analysis. What's next, clinical trial? Yeah, the next step is to have a prospective clinical trial, which we're hoping to start within the next six months, where the same procedure would be done, but it would be actually treating patients. Switching gears completely, but touching on a topic, of course, that's on everyone's mind these days. You're also applying what you've learned from your work in cancer to the current pandemic in COVID-19. Talk about that and what you've learned. Tijan actually has been a world leader in, in, in various things already in, in terms of developing the best testing for COVID virus, a PCR-based test on nasal swabs and helping the state of Arizona and, and other other area, uh, other states has already happened. Um, we primarily are interested in uh, potentially developing new treatments for COVID-19. Uh, um, we've uh, worked now with uh, various other institutions. So myself and John Alton, who's an immunologist at TGen, have worked with City of Hope scientists by the name of Dr. Saswari Chatterjee and Dr. Yuman Fong, as well as uh, Professor Paul Kaim, who is at uh, NEU uh, up in Flagstaff, uh, to put together a program where what we are trying to do is to develop some new prophylactic treatment for the COVID-19 uh, virus. So in this situation, what we have uh, we try to do, and we've just written a large grant. Uh, for the Department of Defense is to actually um, uh, develop a new kind of virus-based therapy. The virus is a completely different virus that will help to fight the COVID-19 virus. In addition, we've also developed, based on our um, computer modeling, some predictions that uh, drugs might help COVID-19 
Um, these drugs are called atovaquone and azithromycin, and that, based on our work, a clinical trial has already started and enrolled, I think, three to four patients at Honor Health Research Institute. So we are sort of trying to be part of the solution. Are there any promising treatments on the horizon? Yeah, there is actually, I think there are. Convalescent plasma, so taking plasma from patients who have recovered from COVID, there's a big program at Honor Health and Tijan has been part of it where recovered patients have been gracious to donate their plasma and then that plasma is being given to sick patients who have COVID currently. Uh, the idea premise being that the people who have recovered must have antibodies or, or immune fighting proteins in their plasma that then can neutralize the COVID virus. That's that's kind of what I call the crude first level of defense. Uh, there are many different drug companies that are working on cocktails of antibodies that uh, are going to be very exciting because if though and they've you know they've done some preclinical or meaning animal experiments to show that you can protect animals from the COVID infection using these antibodies. These antibodies have just gone into trials. And if they work, they would be fantastic to protect, you know, patients, protect healthcare workers, protect people. Obviously, you've all heard of the vaccine studies, which are to vaccinate people. Uh, I've heard, uh, it, at least in the lay media, the uh, first results from a couple of different companies look very promising. So I think that's, you know, more on the prophylactic side. We've heard of the drug Remdesivir, which was just approved. Uh, it's not 100% effective, but is part of the solution. There are what happens with the COVID-19 virus is that it, it there is a phase in which it infects people, and then um, a lot of people I think get the antibodies and not don't get too sick. You know that's the vast majority. Uh, but then there is a sizable number that actually then. Um, the COVID-19 virus, for, for the body's immune system is not able to control the virus initially, and then on top of it, reacts badly to the virus. So what we call a cytokine storm. So there are people are working around the globe, including us, to kind of work at every different level of this. So a vaccination strategy would be considered where you would never get infected because you already have antibodies if you had the vaccine. So that's kind of the earliest level of prophylaxis. Then the second level of prophylaxis is, well, we don't have a vaccine yet, but we can get antibody, antibodies themselves that are circulating so that if we do get an infection, I mean, the COVID, you know, you get exposed to a COVID-19 virus, the antibodies would just completely neutralize us. That's kind of the antibody cocktail idea. The third level idea is, well, you can get infected, you don't have antibodies, but you could taking drugs that can kind of neutralize the virus so that you know you you don't you don't fall sick. And then the fourth level of treatments that are being worked on is okay, you got infected, your immune system is starting to react badly and can we control the hyperactivity of that immune system? So to give people hope, you know, the world's best minds are working on every phase of these if you if you i mean there is more than four but i'm just sort of for mm -hmm. for time and for simplicity i'm saying everybody's working on all four at the same time so i'm i'm you know i think no nothing is always a given but in biomedical science investment of mind and money is usually directly correlated with progress so i think if that were the metric that would succeed here then we are in good hands 
whether a vaccine or a treatment, what are the challenges in distributing this on a large scale? It is a challenge. I think the U.S. government actually, uh, the NIH, for instance, and I think the DOD, BARDA, they've given, again, what I read is in the lay press, so I don't have any specific knowledge, but my understanding is that the large drug companies are creating hundreds of millions of these doses in anticipation, I'm, I'm talking about the vaccines, in anticipation, if the trials are positive, they'll be able to distribute these throughout the U.S., hopefully, and, and the Western world. The, the big challenge is going to be the rest of the world. You know, how do we, how are we able to actually distribute these uh, promising vaccines, in, you know, in the most simplest case, to billions of people around the world? And that's a significant challenge. You know, it would take basically all hands on deck, and especially if we want to get vaccines to the poorest part of the world, the most underprivileged, it's going to take a special uh, kind of a coalition to, you know, both scientific and political and financial to get it. But I, I'm very optimistic. I think the, I think if we are able to show scientifically that something works, this is an unprecedented time where I think most reasonable people around the world understand the dangers of such a pandemic and are going to rally the troops, so to say, to do this. And, you know, obviously the United States has always been, you know, at the forefront and, and without knowing all the intricacies of how that would work, I would say I'm sure we would rise up to the challenge. Unprecedented times and unprecedented research going on at TGen. Dr. Sunil Sharma, thank you so much today for your time and for your knowledge and for your research. Hey, thanks, Mark. Thank you for having me here. Dr. Sunil Sharma is the Deputy Director of Clinical Services and Director of TGen's Applied Cancer Research and Drug Discovery Division, one of the co-authors on a study that was just published in the prestigious Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. For more episodes of TGen Talks, visit tgen.org slash tgentalks. TGen is an affiliate of City of Hope. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Moran.